I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be reading Numbers chapters 23 to 25. Now, in our previous reading in Numbers, Numbers chapter 22, we were introduced to a pagan prophet named Balaam. And Balaam, if you recall, had the donkey with whom he carried on the conversation. And Balak, the king of Moab, he wanted Balaam to come and put a curse on Israel. And we just got into that before we ended our reading in Numbers chapter 22. And that's where we take up in Numbers chapter 23 today. Here we find an evil prophet gives a good prophecy in Numbers chapter 23 verse 1. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me I will tell thee. And he went to an high place. And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. And he returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And he took up his parable and said, Balak the king of Moab hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone, and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob, and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my last end be like this. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee, with me unto another place, from whence thou mayest see them, that thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. And he brought him into the field of Zophim, to the top of Pisgah, and built seven altars, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering, while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam, and put a word in his mouth, and said, Go again unto Balak, and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. 
He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divinations against Israel according to this time. It shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What if God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. And Balak said unto Balaam, Neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. But Balaam answered and said unto Balak, Told not I thee, saying, All that the Lord speaketh, that I must do? And Balak said unto Balaam, Come, I pray thee, I will bring thee into another place. Peradventure it will please God, that thou mayest curse me them from thence. And Balak brought Balaam into the top of Peor, that looketh toward Jeshimon. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven bullocks and seven rams. And Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. Well, as I mentioned, we first saw Balaam back in Numbers chapter 22. Now, make no mistake about it, Balaam was a pagan Midianite prophet. Yet the passage indisputably identifies the Lord, meaning Jehovah, as the one who had put the words into Balaam's mouth in Numbers chapter 23, verse 5, 12, 16, 26, and then in Numbers chapter 24, verses 2, 13, and 16. We're going to see those verses in a few moments. Well, here's the rub. Balak, who was the Moabite king, he'd called for Balaam to come curse Israel. God told Balaam it was okay to go in Numbers chapter 22, verse 20. Balak gives Balaam the tour around the encampment of Israel. For some reason, he apparently thought that different views of Israel's encampment might just do the trick. At two locations, Balaam directs Balak to sacrifice on seven altars prepared specifically for the tour. At each altar, God gives a word to Balaam in verses 4 and 16 of this chapter. But those prophecies or those words are all in favor of Israel. God just won't let Balaam place a curse on Israel. Balaam declares in Numbers chapter 23, verse 8, How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? Things really backfire on Balak when Balaam declares in verse 20, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Now the next verse is key to the final outcome here, as we'll see in Numbers chapter 25. Verse 21 says, He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Well, let's face it. Israel's righteous before God as a nation, and they just can't be cursed. Finally, Balaam, for some unknown reason, he has Balak to build seven more altars for seven sacrifices a third time as they overlook Israel. Perhaps Balaam is just hoping that this additional reverent act might somehow do something, anything. That brings us to Numbers chapter 24. There we see that the curse Israel plan just derails. Verse 1. And when Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he went not, as at other times, to seek for enchantments, but he set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes, and he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes. And the Spirit of God came upon him. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, 
and the man whose eyes are open hath said. He hath said, which heard the words of God, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel! As the valleys are, they spread forth, as gardens by the river's side, as the trees of line aloes, which the Lord hath planted, and as cedar trees beside the waters. He shall pour the water out of his buckets, and his seed shall be in many waters, and his king shall be higher than Agog, and his kingdom shall be exalted. God brought him forth out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. He shall eat up the nations, his enemies, and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion, and as a great lion, who shall stir him up. Blessed is he that blessed thee, and curse is he that curseth thee. And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together, and Balak said unto Balaam, I call thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote thee into great honor, but lo, the Lord hath kept thee back from honor. And Balaam said unto Balak, Spake I not also to thy messengers, which thou sentest unto me, saying, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of the Lord, to do either good or bad, or of mine own mind. But what the Lord saith, that will I speak. And now, behold, I go unto my people. Come therefore, and I will advertise thee what this people shall do to thy people in the latter days. And he took up his parable and said, Balaam the son of Beor hath said, and the man whose eyes are open hath said. He hath said, which heard the words of God, and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty, falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perisheth forever. And he looked on the Kenites and took up his parable and said, Strong is thy dwelling place, and thou puttest thy nest in a rock. Nevertheless, the Kenites shall be wasted, until Asher shall carry thee away captive. And he took up his parable and said, Alas, who shall live when God doeth this? And ships shall come from the coast of Kittim, and shall afflict Asher, and shall afflict Eber, and he also shall perish forever. And Balaam rose up and went and returned to his place, and Balak also went his way. Well, we see that Balaam, well, he kind of forgets his mission in this chapter as he begins blessing, not cursing, Israel. Verse 7 is kind of curious. There's the mention of Agog, king over the Amalekites, during the reign of Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Well, now, here's a prophecy with substance. Balak immediately notices that things are going backwards here. Balaam falls into a prophetic state where he just begins to rattle off the blessings which shall fall upon Israel, much to Balak's dismay. Balaam's words of blessing on Israel become intolerable in verse 9 when he says, Blessed is he that blesseth thee, and cursed is he that curseth thee. Whoa, that sounds very much like God's promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. 
Finally, Balak has had all he can take in chapter 24, verse 10. says, And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam. And he smote his hands together, and Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. Well, here's the case where a man, Balak, hires a contractor, Balaam, to do a job. And that job was to curse Israel. But he can't satisfactorily do the job. Balak fires him without pay right there on the spot. Now Balaam enters the bonus round. He becomes a prophesying machine, but not in favor of Balak. He prophesies in favor of Israel. He falls into a trance, begins to give more prophecy concerning the demise of all these heathen occupants of the region. Who's going to fall before Israel? Well, here's the list. The Moabites, the Edomites, the Malachites, the Kenites. Verse 22 is a little bit curious. Though a few hundred years in the future, Balaam also prophesies the demise and deportation to Assyria. That's Asher here. A process which would not begin for another six centuries in 2 Kings chapter 15. Now, it may seem that everything's worked out marvelously for Israel with regard to Balak's service contract with Balaam, but not so. We'll see that not so in Numbers chapter 25, which we're getting ready to read right now. Because we see in Numbers chapter 25 that the men of Israel go out on the town. Verse 1, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, hath turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made an atonement for the children of Israel." Now the name of the Israelite that was slain, even that was slain with the Midianitish woman, was Zimri, the son of Salu, a prince of a chief house among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianitish woman that was slain was Kazbai, the daughter of Zur. He was head over a people and of a chief house in Midian. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them. For they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a prince of Midian. 
their sister, which was slain in the day of the plague for Peor's sake. Well, this is a strange chapter. And it seems a little disjointed at first. It seems like there's no relationship to chapters 22 to 24. However, it turns out that chapter 25 has everything to do with chapters 22, 23, and 24. We won't actually see that until we get over to Numbers chapter 31, verse 16. But according to that verse, the events of chapter 25 are instigated by Balaam himself as a device to corrupt Israel so that God himself will curse them. See, I told you that Balaam was a pagan prophet. I told you that Numbers chapter 23, verse 21 was key. What if Israel wasn't righteous before God? Then could they be cursed? Well, in this chapter, Balaam has devised a strategy designed to bring down the wrath of God upon Israel. Well, number 25 gets pretty ugly. The men of Israel head for Las Vegas, so to speak, just outside their motels, well, their temporary quarters in Shatim. The actual Hebrew word there is pronounced Shatim, accent on the second syllable. These Hebrew men indulge in sexual relations with the heathen women there, and taking a few shows while they're at it, actually they bow down to their gods, the gods of Baal. Ooh, idolatry. Isn't it amazing what a seductive woman can get some men to do? At this point, God tells Moses to have these idol worshippers slain and their heads hung up in the sun for all the rest of Israel to see in verses 3 and 4. It would appear that the subsequent decree issued to the judges of Israel it doesn't actually get completed before this dreadful situation intensifies. And when I say intensifies, here's what I mean. They entered the point where there's just no shame. One man actually brings the promiscuous gal back to the camp of Israel. Well, Aaron's grandson, Phinehas, he takes some pretty drastic measures at this point. He takes his javelin and kills the Hebrew man, Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader among the Simeonites, and the woman. We're told in the passage that she was the daughter of an influential Midianite leader. Her name is given here as Kozbi, and that was after God had told Moses to behead the Hebrew idolaters and display their heads. This is followed by a plague that kills 23,000 more. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8 makes mention of this occasion. While not specifically stated that there had been 1,000 heads hung in the sun prior to the plague, based upon Paul's number of 24,000, we assume that to be the case. God really, he doesn't like idolatry, does he? Now, a covenant was established that day regarding Eleazar's son, Phinehas. Because of his actions, which may have seemed compulsive at the time, he and his descendants were awarded the priesthood from that time forward in verses 10 through 13 here. Note the promise of verse 13. It says this, And he shall have it, and his seed after him, even the covenant of an everlasting priesthood. Furthermore, this action of Phinehas became noteworthy in Israel's history. Hundreds of years later, he's mentioned along with this incident in Psalm 106 verses 30 and 31 says, Then stood up Phinehas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. Despite this prophecy, there was a period of time where the priesthood was not controlled by a descendant of Phinehas. As a matter of fact, Eli, during the period of the judges, well, he wasn't a descendant of Phinehas. However, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 27 to 36, 
that the priesthood through his lineage will be cut off. This transfer would later take place under Solomon's authority as a fulfillment of this prophecy when we get over to 1 Kings chapter 2 and we see verse 27 and verse 35 there. So where, where Balaam was not able to prophesy against Israel, what he was able to do is go back to the Moabites and the Midianites and plot Israel's corruption by using their women as prostitutes to lure Israel's men into idolatry. What a plan! So just in case you start liking Balaam as he was giving his pro-Israel prophecies, don't get too excited. He just turned out to be another evil man who seemed to have had a short period of favor with God. In the end, he was just an evil man. And the Midianites? Well, they incurred some judgment from God as well because these women were not ordinary prostitutes. As a matter of fact, we see in verse 15 that the slain woman, Cosby, she was the daughter of an influential Midianite leader, Zur. Yes, this was an orchestrated plan designed by Balaam for the destruction of the Israelites by the Moabites and the Midianites. And it almost seemed to work. God's command that Israel take vengeance on the Midianites for their part in the apostasy of Baal Peor's is realized in the continuation of this account when we get over to Numbers chapter 31. That's where we find the completion of these events that have centered around Balaam in chapters 22 to 25. Numbers chapters 26 through 30 aren't related to these events at all. Incidentally, I'm certain that Satan creates circumstances around believers that are conducive to sin even today. While he can't steal a believer's salvation, he can place people and things around that believer that may serve to steal his joy and soften his resolve to serve God first and foremost in his life. I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 that says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Also, let's take note of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Those two verses say, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That word wiles, by the way, there in Ephesians 6.11 comes from the Greek word methodia. means methods. Satan has methods, and we need to make certain that we understand what the Scripture teaches about standing against those methods of Satan. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker. 